You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a complimentary resource for today's spiritual leader. The purpose of Ministry 127 is to aid Christians in developing a biblical philosophy of ministry. Ministry 127 is a growing online library aimed at assisting ministry workers with Bible-based resources and is a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel, the Lancaster Baptist Church, and West Coast Baptist College. For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. This Ministry 127 podcast is entitled The Biblical Disciplines of a Christian Home with Mrs. Joyce Jones. Mrs. Jones has served in Christian education for 35 years, on staff at Lancaster Baptist for 20 years, and is a mother of six. Um, Roman number one, the construction job. I put um, Psalm 127. I want to look at that one. It's known as a family psalm. I found that through just looking at different commentaries. And um, I found that interesting. And they're almost two together, Psalm 127 and 128, because they both talk about establishing some things in a home. But I want to focus on verse 1. I'm going to read the whole thing just for a comment and then focus on verse 1. But it says this gives us a description, which begins with the foundation for the home. And it starts with the inception and ends with the impact. I hadn't seen that before. That was just something I read. And I thought, the more I look at this, it's true. Um, The first verse, accept the Lord, build the house. And that's the beginning. That's the inception. You want a home? You have to begin with God. And God's the one that does it. Um, They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, for they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. When I first read that, I thought, why would they want to speak with the enemies? But I remembered a verse in Proverbs sixteen seven that says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So even those people that sat in the gate that were really anti or, you know, against what was the establishment of this home, um, homes for the Lord, there was a peace because they saw something in the lives of these people. So I thought that was pretty interesting. The inception and then the impact of that particular psalm. But the focus I want to see is Psalm 127.1. This verse says that the home begins with a philosophy, with a personal commitment, It is a warning against the idiocy of trying to build a home alone without God. God says, it's just um, accept the Lord build it, then you're just laboring in vain. You're wasting your time. As much as we think, you know, I know how to do this. I've read books on it. I can do all of this. You know, I came from a good home. Therefore, I'm going to have a good home. God says, if it's not built upon me and if you're not allowing me to help establish that, It's just foolish. It's vain. It's of no value. We might as well quit and not even work toward that. I put down letter A. There's two contributors, I see. Uh, Number one is the architect and designer, which is God. He's the originator um, because he knows how. Um, He made us. He created it. He placed us here. Therefore, he knows how we need to accomplish those things. And number two, the laborers, and notice they're unskilled. Any of you feel like you're extremely skilled when 
um, I don't know, when you went off to college, when you, you know, had your first child. Um, I remember feeling very ill-equipped for that, very fearful. And I had so many different stops along the way. I had a couple of stops, and then the Lord gave me another child. And then I had another stop, and then the Lord gave me another child. So each one of those, it was like starting all over again. It was kind of fearful and nervous. I was extremely unskilled. Even though I had had four and then had, you know, number five, it seemed unskilled. And God says, the more unskilled you are, the more you will rest in me, to be honest. Be quality of the finished product. What's the finished product? That's what I meant when I said you have to sit down and think. You have to, what do you want to accomplish? What kind of a person do you want to be? Um, How godly do you want to be? Do you want to just say, I'm a Christian, and get along, you know, straddle the fence? You've got to make some decisions. But the quality of the finished product, what do I want as my finished product? Number one, it is not according to the skill of the workers. If you look at that, they labored in vain. They, they could have risen up. It talks about how they, you know, get up early, stay up late, they eat the bread of sorrows, they do all this. But it says it's in vain because it's not according to the skill of the workers. B, it is dependent upon our devotion and obedience to the contractor or the master architect. How dependent and how devoted am I to what he's told? Um, letter 2, or Roman numeral 2, the biblical mandate for family survival or the establishment of a Christian home. And let's go to Deuteronomy 6. If you're sitting here today and you've been saved any length of time, you've heard these verses. I'm not sharing any new verses uh, particularly. We just need to think through some of those and analyze our life. I have to do this all the time. Sometimes I was telling my daughter today, we were eating lunch, uh, my youngest, um, Allegra, and I told her, I said, there's some things from this conference, you know, and you hear something and you think, and you look at your life and I think, what in the world? You know, how did that creep in? Or sometimes I'll be doing something or thinking something or looking at, not looking at something, but, you know, reading something or, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you know, this is wavering. This thought is wavering. This book is opposite of what, you know, this, and we have to catch ourselves constantly and pull ourselves back in because it is so subtle. Um, I put down um, letter A. Actually, let's read this for a moment. Um, Verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Um, One Lord. We can't get away from that. Um, He is the one that is supreme. And I put there, we need to hear the truth continually continually hear the truth we can only do that if we're aware the truth is being preached um, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves um, together one of the things I love live streaming and I like all of that but probably at my age I can also think of some things I also hear some of members who will just say I'll just watch it from home Um, it's the same thing it's not the same thing Um, I've been at home um, when I had to be there um, coming out of the hospital and I couldn't come, I watched it live stream. I think I've done that twice. It's not the same. And if somebody needs to do that, then yes. And it helps when people all around our country want to, they get done with their service and then they watch ours. So there's great reasons for it. 
but I also know the tendency of the flesh and I know how weak sometimes we are and we'll just say, oh, I don't even have to dress. I just sit in front of it and watch. Um, or I can eat breakfast while I do this or whatever. Um, so we need to think, hear the truth continually and have our hearts open to it. I remember one time in Bible college, um, I worked um, as a nurse's aide. A lot of times they let us do a lot more than we should have done because they were just uh, shorthanded. But a lot of times in Springfield, Missouri, there was um, snow, and a lot of the people and the nurses couldn't get in. So sometimes because we were Bible college students, they would ask us, can you stay on another shift and do that? So I would do that. And on a Saturday night, uh, working 3 to 11 and then working that next shift till 7, a lot of the ones that were with me went home and went to bed. Now, that's their responsibility before the Lord. So please don't take this as I'm lifting myself up. I went because I just, I loved my church. I loved what I got there. And I just felt like if I missed that, that would be the very one I needed. And I just didn't want that. So a lot of times... That was early on. I Early on in my years, I would just do beyond just because I didn't want to, I didn't want people to look at me. That wasn't what it was. And the Lord knows my heart. Uh, it never entered into that because I wasn't something. I knew how desperately I needed those things. And so I, I just did that. And so I've kind of continued that, I guess. Um, it's hard enough to witness um, to people without giving them ammunition. For us, And if I'm trying to uh, bring people to church, and then I don't want them to ever say, are you going to be here? If they say that to me, that is wrong. I want them to know I am, I am here unless, you know, providentially hindered by, I don't know, death or illness or something that I cannot um, to do that. So we need to think through that. So many times we're in and out, and it's, it's not sending forth a good message. Strong Christians lean hard on certain unshakable facts. The Lord is our God. We acknowledge his presence. We need to acknowledge his uniqueness. He is different than any other little G out there at all. We need to acknowledge his place. What's his place in our life? Um, Does he have the preeminence? Um, Is he uppermost? Um, His right to rule over us. People, oh, they don't like that today. They don't want a God that rules over them. I do. What a protection. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't have problems staying under my husband because the the idea is if I'm under him, then he's the one that's being dealt with because I'm in the position I need to be. Well, what greater to be under the Lord because the Lord knows, okay, if you're under my protection and, and under my rule, then I can lead you. Uh, we seek his will, do we? Uh, we endeavor to walk in his way. Um, I like in the Bible how it constantly talks about the way. He being found in the way. Just being where they should be. When times are hard and our future uncertain, we must trust him without reservation. Our church has seen a lot of... Um, trials and things. So many people, even beyond those that have been mentioned, um, a lot of our students in our school um, has had have had a lot of things. Um, Mr. Schmidt was mentioning that, but they need to trust without reservation, and we need to, as a teacher or whoever is over them, we need to establish that and help them see we trust without reservation. Don't just say, "Well, you know, the Lord can work." 
No, the Lord will work. Uh, it's not that he, you know, can and we waver. We justify our hit and miss services sometimes. Um, only real justification is from God. So sometimes when I try to find justification or try to make ourselves look good, we need to remember justification is from the Lord. It's not from what we do. Uh, B, I put down, love the Lord supremely. Love the Lord supremely. I kind of think of letter A as the single. You know, you're establishing that truth. How much have you established? Not that it's not for the others. But then the married people love the Lord supremely. Once we start having another person in our life, then we have to remember the Lord is still first. And and we need to think through that. Um, And so we don't waver from those things. Okay, verse 6, and these words, I'm sorry, 5, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. That's a lot of alls. Um, There's no openness to that. It isn't this except for this. It's just all, all of them. And verse 6, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Um, My love for God must be an all-encompassing love, a deep-down dedication, not simply a nice-sounding religious idea or cliche that we say, sure, I love the Lord. Um, Sometimes we just do it so flippantly. I, I just think we need to take it more seriously when we say, I love the Lord, because in that we're saying a lot of things. If you go back to with all of our heart, with all of our might, and all of those elements... And in letter C, teach the children diligently. If the Lord allows you to have children, then they're your own responsibility in that. If he does not, many of you teach Sunday school. Those are your children. For many years, I tell my um, students that I've taught all these years, um, they are my children um, because I've always taught in a Christian school. And to me, the parent has placed them under their authority, my authority, but I'm still under their authority. And therefore, I need to do it as unto that child or that parent as I would do it as unto the Lord in that element. So teach the children diligently. Um, Seven through nine, let's read those. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. I think you should have scriptures around. Um, I think your home should have them. Um, I think, you know, like your school classrooms, I think Sunday schools, I think they should just be up and visible. I think they should be on our lips. Um, I think we should know the word of God enough that when something arises and we're talking to somebody about it, that a verse will come to mind. And therefore we can share that. We may not be able to quote it word for word. We should be able to know where to find it or at least get enough out. Um, But work on memory because that would be even greater. Um, The task of indoctrinating, I'm not sure I like that, but giving doctrine to the children uh, was a responsibility of the home not of some institution of the combined efforts of a group or professionals. That's not diminishing Christian school. So don't go out and say, you teach in Christian school, and you say that not. it should not depend upon what we give them. I think today a lot of um, homes do that. 
they have relinquished their responsibility at home and placed it, oh, they're in a Christian school, therefore that relieves us. No. It's up to the parent in that home to establish those truths and then to check and make sure that they're being taught that um, and it's not going against those scriptures and the beliefs. Diligently has the idea of sharpen. We are to intensely sharpen um, our sons and daughters. Um, has the idea of wetting their interest, um, W-H-E-T, not sharpening like the two-edged sword, but, some, but wet their, intense, their interest. And we're to do it earnestly, um, another word I found was frequently. No wonder, because it says when you rise up, when you're walking in the way, when you take a little, um, just all the different times that you have with somebody and do it discreetly. I like that word because there are times that you don't. I've seen parents embarrass their children. Don't you know the Lord doesn't want you to do that? Or, huh, you just did this. And, you know, whatever, and you're naming it publicly. I don't think it should be that. That may be why some are turned off to, um, you know, knowing the Lord, they're counting it more as a religion than, than an actual growing and a Christianity. God's desire is that there be a conscious, consistent transfer of God's truth from an older to a younger. Um, the term diligently does not mean delivering a lecture. Although there are times that you quietly sit down and there are times to teach that way. But I like this. It's an easygoing, natural flow of conversation. It's not a Sunday lifestyle. But a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, on and on. Um, it is a lifestyle that goes on daily. And it's just constant talking of things. Um, it should be just very freely to talk about the Lord. Um, you should be able to ask your children, instead of just saying, you know, what did you learn in church? And they say, God, Jesus. No, specifically, you know, what, what did you learn? Or when you're out walking and they talk about the trees, teach them a lesson. You can teach them something from science, um, just even a little bit, um, that God established creation. And aren't we thankful uh, for God who does this. And you can teach them from the time they're little, when they're looking at their hands and, you know, learning to discover things. Those are all things that God's helped them with. And that's why he's talking. Make it an everyday, just he's there. Have you ever heard somebody say, you pray like you know him, or you just pray like you're talking to him? Um, I think that was off of the film Sheffy, and the line that the guy followed with, well, tell me, to whom do you talk when you pray if it's not to the Lord? I love that line. It should be just very relaxed and very easy. And people, when they first get saved, um, they're so afraid to pray. You just help them with that. No, you just talk to him like you would talk to me right now or talk to your um, husband or talk to a friend. It is just an everyday, now I'm not wanting to put him down, you know, on a less level, but it should be just very free to talk about him. Christ should fit naturally into the regular conversation of our home. Christianity is designed for everyday living. Um, it doesn't matter where you go in scripture, it talks about that. And we'll look at some specifics in a moment. We cannot transfer to others that which we do not have ourselves. I think that's part of the problem. Um, I think it's something that we don't have, therefore we don't, we can't transfer that to somebody else. Because if we've never prayed and gotten answers to our prayer, how do you encourage somebody else to pray? Um, or if you're talking to somebody, you say, oh, well, I'll pray about that. Well, 
take a minute right then and show them how they can pray about that and how you will remember to pray and what's specific about it. You don't have to know the nitty-gritty of something, but if they're praying about a lost loved one, okay, you can pray for that and help them to see. And in your home, help children. I read one illustration about a little boy. The parents, um, the dad had worked out in secular field, but he felt called um, to the ministry, and he wanted to um, change direction and work in um, just helping around, you know, in the Christian realm. And so their finances, he had a good job, so their finances, you know, dwindled down. They didn't have the money that they once had. And so they were having to learn to adjust to that. And they were getting ready for family devotions. And um, the little boy said, Mom, I don't, I don't have, I'm outgrowing my shirts. And uh, she said, yes, you are. And he said, well, put that down on our prayer list. And he was just little. And so he said, even specifically, size seven. You know, so he put it down on their prayer list. And he didn't think anything. I mean, they prayed for it in their family devotions. And um, by some circumstances, um, somebody in a, I think he was a banker or something, but somehow he ended up um, with some shirts. And guess what? They were all size seven. So he knew this family, and he said, could you use these? And they said, yes. Um, So they were showing the little boy then at Family Devotions that night um, one of the shirts, and he was ecstatic. But when they pulled out, there, there were 10 of them. He was just overwhelmed because he was thankful to just get one. That's all he had thought when he prayed. But how much greater for that little boy to learn. God answers above and beyond what I'm even asking for. And that was a great truth for them. And that's the kind of everyday things. Uh, Pray before you go to the grocery store. I've done that for years. Um, You know, pray if I need to go purchase something. Okay, I need this and this. And I have a set price of mind. And you say, you know, sometimes I'm just willing to pay whatever. I don't. I just say, Lord, this is all I want to allow for this, and and do that. He will meet those because he wants you to see that you can put him to the test. Um, Luke 6.45, I put down, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Those things that are within our heart, remember to go back in that other. First we have to um, listen, and we have to hear, and then we have to love, and now we have something then to teach others. Because if we've done those steps. And D, fear the Lord greatly, verse 13. To me these are the disciplines of the Um, the Christian home, just hearing and then loving the Lord and in teaching what he has taught us and then fearing the Lord greatly. The right kind of fear is reverence for his holy name. Verse 13 says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Um, That's not the kind of swearing that people do today. It's the idea that you stand fully upon his name. You hold this name up. Um, he has a holy name. He has a wholesome um, name, and we should have a wholesome respect for his sovereign will. Um, not saying, well, I'm doing this because that was the will of the Lord. It's not my will. It's just what I ended up doing. No, it, his will should be the sovereign will of our life. Um, holding him in highest regard. Today, people flippantly um, use the Lord's name, or they lose, uh, use some aspect um, I can't think of one. The other day I heard one and I thought, mm, um, pardon? Oh, euphemisms for the Lord, yes. 
um, as well, and people do those. I remember when I was in Bible college, my husband, um, I, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, and my pastor's wife told me, she said, Joyce, what are you going to do with your life? I said, I don't know, I guess, you know, work. I didn't, we had only been in the church a short time. She goes, I think you should go to Bible college. And I thought, okay, that's what you think. Um, so I did. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't saved at that point. I had gone forward because my mom and the whole family got saved. I don't really want to get into my testimony. It could be lengthy. But um, when I went to Bible college, I just did it because my pastor's wife told me. Um, that that's what she thought I should um, do. So I ended up going there, and the first time um, I got to know my husband, I was just talking with him and and different, um, you know, scenarios and things like that. And I used, I don't want to say it, but it's G-O-S-H, and it was just kind of like that's the thing back when I was that age. They said it all the time, and I didn't think anything of it. Um, And he he just looked at me, and he goes, you shouldn't say that. And I said, why? And he goes, because you just took the Lord's name in vain. And I thought, I would never do that. Um, I haven't been saved that long, but I know that much that you don't do that. And um, he said, go look it up in the dictionary. It's there. It's a euphemism. And um, other words, it will tell you, don't use that. It's just the Christian's vocabulary for the world's slang or their um, blasphemy. So we need to be careful with that. But... um, Anyway, we need to respect um, him and too much to disregard his ways or to disobey his ways in that. And what do we demonstrate to others by our actions and words? And that's what we have to have uppermost. Sometimes I'll be at the grocery store and I may be frowning. I've had people come up and say, smile, you know, or something like that. And it's because I'm thinking through something. And I thought, okay, I have a face that I need to be very careful with. Sometimes at church, I'll be thinking about something and somebody will say, you're not smiling. Okay, I'll smile. And it's not so much fake. It's just that they read you and they watch us all the time, don't they? And we have to be careful of that because we communicate something that I don't want to communicate. I want to communicate that it's not a terrible life. It's it's a good life if we're serving the Lord. And then Roman numeral three, the Christian home built, established, filled. Um, and that is found in Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. Um, I'm going to read one and two just so you see the context. Because it's warning us. It's under the warnings. Be not thou envious against evil men. Neither desire to be with them. That's a message in itself that I'm seeing more and more that have a desire to be with them because they think their life looks so much more fun. But God says, no, don't, don't be envious of them. Don't have the desire of the world on you at all. For their heart studieth destruction, and their lips talk of mischief. They have an end to their life. But look at verse 3 and 4. Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. I like that. All the chambers, all of the the areas in your home, doesn't mean you're going to have rich things put up all over the place. It just means that you're going to have precious um, times together uh, with your family um, or with those that you have into your home. If you're a single person and you um, bring people into your home to fellowship with them and to show them you know, what a Christian home is like. Um, and we're encouraged to do that. Letter A says, wisdom to pay the price to be different. Um, and there is a price to be paid to be different. Um, that's hard for young people 
It's hard for children in this day. Um, it's hard for adults. They don't want to be different. They don't want to look different. They don't want to smell different. They don't want to, you know, go to different places and all kinds of things. They want to fit in. Um, but it's a matter of choice. Um, live by a biblical view or that worldview. It, it goes back to a choice. Philippians one twenty seven, which is our theme. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Let it become the gospel of Christ. Let your conversation. Conversation is your whole lifestyle. Uh, the words that come out, your dress. I put a whole list of things. It's our words, our actions, our responses. Do you have to be careful of that? That That's a weak area for me. I have to be careful of my responses, um, of my thoughts, of my apparel, of my decisions, because there is a cost involved. Um, the Bible says um, before you're going to build something, you have to sit down and count the cost. Um, and what you want to build, how you want to build it, count the cost, whether you're going to be that uh, biblical or the worldly. Um, Letter B, understanding, to inculcate biblical truth in everyday life. And that takes discipline, because discipline then develops the habit, um, and then that develops your character. So discipline to develop the right habits, to develop character. Um, I just looked up, Proverbs, you know what, if I just read Proverbs and Psalm 119, that would keep me very busy um, in just those, getting all of those lined up. Um, And so I just pulled a few things, some topics that you can teach or that you need to apply and that uh, are taught in the book of Proverbs. Some of you could add to these. Um, A good name. How important is your name? Um, You know, just by one little foolish Thing. You can destroy a whole, you know, uh, generations because, you know, we, we've worked to build up a family name and some of us are first generation Christians, some second, some third, and those names have been established. And so we need to teach our children. Your name is very, very important, not because it's um, a pride issue, because then that's wrong, but it's that you don't want to dishonor Christ. Uh, because you've heard that testimony. Um, Youth, discipline, business matters. You find all kinds of instruction about who to go to business with and who not to and how to handle mismanagement and things. Marriage, um, strong drink, those things to stay away from. Uh, Words, the tongue, morality, your companions, great warnings about evil companions, wisdom, self-control, friendships, all of that. I mean, we could work through those in our home and see. Um, C, knowledge to conduct our relationships according to scriptures. And it will take extra time and energy to put right actions into practice. Sometimes we're very busy and we let things slide. And we think, oh, I should have talked to them about that. But I'll just pray for them and help them. Um, sometimes with her children, oh, I should have taken a minute to deal with that. Um, or you're hurrying around, yes, yes, I'm listening. No, we're not listening, and they know that. And then they have an attitude toward the ministry. We have to be very, very careful with that. Um, I looked up just Psalm 119. Not all of these are from that, but a good portion of them are. And it's a wealth of knowledge. What are the functions in the Bible? Um, one, it upholds. Two, it orders our steps. Why read the Bible? It produces joy. 
It strengthens. It gives hope. It gives light. It gives understanding. It shows God's will. It builds up. It produces fruit. It convicts of sin. It converts the soul. It cleanses the conscience. It consecrates life. It corrects the wrong. It confirms the right. And it comforts the heart. All of that, and probably way more. But a good portion of those are just Psalm 119. Um, The child of God's response to the Bible, what's our response? What do we want our children to have a response to it? Um, They should read it, um, heed it, H-E-E-D, seed, S-E-E-D, it, desire it, preach it, rightly divide it, live it, use it, suffer for it, and if need be, die for it, because there have been. Um, And we have the Bible because of those in the past, and how dare we not deal with it. Um, And the last couple of things, I like this little, it's not an acrostic, but it's another thing about the Bible. The child of God is to know it in his head, stow it in his heart, show it in his life, and sow it in the world. It's another little acrostic. You could teach little children that. You know it in your head, learning the little verses, stow it in the heart, show it in your life. And sow it in the world. Take them soul winning with you. Those are some of my special times with my kids. um, Going soul winning. Okay. All of this takes labor. It's extremely laborious to do all of this. Um, But we need to be reminded that we are co-laborers with God. The master builder. Um, I'm going to end with just this quote I found by um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. It said, when home is ruled according to God's word, angels might be asked to stay with us, and they would not find themselves out of their element. I thought that was pretty convicting. (laughs) When home is ruled according to God's word, angels might be asked to stay with us, and they would not find themselves out of their element um, because they're in the presence of biblical truth as unto the Lord. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson was entitled The Biblical Disciplines of a Christian Home with Mrs. Joyce Jones. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about Ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast.